0: to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Caleb Frankert, and I'm joined by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Jason Burnell.
1: Caleb, can a podcast
0: about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. Well, all right,
1: let's mix it up. <laughs> let's do that. Yeah,
0: let's do the mixing. Man, it's been uh, a little while since we sat down and it did It has. This, so. It has. Yeah, it's just, you know, we've been we've been busy. Yes. It's good though. doing financial advising yeah doing the the, the job that we the, get paid the for. planning advising part yeah it's yeah, exhausting it is i actually the last appointment that i had uh this is interesting i don't know if he listens to the podcast or not but he said i'm an extrovert and i'm gonna be so ramped up after this meeting he said my <laughs> wife didn't come because she's such an introvert that this will wear her out and she'll need to take a nap and i'm like you know what I'm an introvert and I've been doing this for two weeks. I cannot wait to crawl back into my hole.
1: Yeah, dude, I'm an extrovert and uh, I need to crawl into my (laughs) hole. You know, it's just it's it's good. It's like it's really, really fulfilling work. Yes. And I think if we didn't have a soul and didn't care about (laughs) our clients, we wouldn't like be like emotionally exhausted. Yeah. uh, Mentally exhausted. Physically exhausted. Physically exhausted. Well, I mean, I've been eating Dairy Queen, too, for like. The last two weeks, it's pretty bad. I've been eating not a lot, actually. I, know, I, I noticed that. You're looking slim.
0: I don't think so. <laughs> but... <laughs> anyway, anyway I, you I always... know what I haven't been doing much of? I know. Cocktails. Drink. Yeah, what
1: the heck? <laughs> we so, need to practice more. Yeah,
0: we're going to do that today. Uh, on this episode, we're talking alphabet soup. Ooh. See, we're talking about food and now drinks. Oh, I know. Here we go. But what are we talking about alphabet soup? I'm talking about the professional designations, those financial designations mm-hmm. that are tagged onto your... Uh, your business card, Jason yep. Burnell, C F P, Caleb Frankard, EA, yeah. Jiminy Cricket, <laughs> XYZ, you know? Like what the heck does it mean? I think a lot of people are like, that's cool. You got letters behind your name. Right. I, I think that's a good thing. What's that mean? We're gonna dig into that today. So yeah. we're gonna spend time talking really and the way that we kind of split this up is there's there's three kind of areas mm-hmm. i think that uh at least for the sake of the podcast because we do everything in threes um, <laughs> that we're going to cover a couple designations in each what they mean for you but before we do all that yeah goodness let's drink something oh i think we should have made a double today <laughs> just i'm just saying <laughs> I, I did make it a double
1: oh i love so, you so much. here's why i made
0: it a double though this uh, what we're drinking today is called an abc cocktail oh Go ahead and ask. Yeah. Ask me.
1: ABC stands for... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but it goes with well, the alphabet like, soup. South, it's like ABC Liquor Store. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. You know?
0: No, I don't know. I found this on Difford's Guide, uh, okay. which has some really interesting cocktails. Yeah. However, no explanation for what ABC stands for. Yeah. No history on the drink. You know, we used to spend a lot more time on the history of the drink. Uh, we would have had nothing for this because <laughs> this is the only place I could find it. Now, there is something called an ABC shot that's different. Okay. 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 We don't want anything to do with that, Jason. No, we can't do um, shots. So, if you're a shot person and you've been waiting, uh, look up ABC Shots and listen to this episode. We'll talk <laughs> about alphabet soup. Um, We're not doing that today. By the end of the episode, you won't be able to explain any of the content. So, yeah, uh, let's dive right in. Jason, I said I made this a double because, well, here are the ingredients. We start with seven fresh mint leaves. Ooh. That's refreshing. I've had a lot of coffee
1: today. (laughs) (laughs) One ounce of port wine. Okay. 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 That's new. One ounce of cognac. Oh, that's something we haven't had much of lately. Sounds sweet so far, right? Yep.
0: Quarter of an ounce of maraschino liqueur. We use Luxardo. If you can't find Luxardo, it's kind of a hard find some places. Right, right. A cherry liqueur is not exactly the same thing, but I think it'll just get use you Mad through. Dog
1: Twenty Twenty. Is that what you're saying?
0: Sure, one. <laughs> you might as well just make an ABC <laughs> shot while we're at it, uh, and then a dash of simple syrup, and we're gonna garnish this with lemon peel and a Luxardo cherry. So, Jason, I have not tried this. It's very um, pretty. It is a pretty drink. Yeah. I'll say that much.
1: It's, it's like a you know deep red. Yeah, and the and the whole uh, la- uh, lemon peel on the. It just looks, it looks, it's nice. appetizing. It, looks, it nice. looks good and it All smells right
0: like a cocktail. Let's, let's uh, dig right in. Ooh. Oh, oh, the mint.
1: You know, did you just get the mint yeah, at the remember, end there? Remember last time I was like, that mint is like really earthy tasting. Yeah. This is not. It's no. minty. It's, wow, that's good. I like that's that. That's pretty good. Yeah. And I was a little, I was a little worried. So a little worried, but. This is interesting because
0: most most drinks with mint require you to muddle the mint leaf right, up, right? And this called for well, seven leaves is quite a bit. Just um, throw it in there. And right? Just throw it in there, in the and yep, mix it up. And I think the ice is probably doing the maybe, work there. Maybe that's
1: maybe that's the difference because a lot of times with mint in a cocktail, they when you muddle it, like I said, it's kind of earthy. It's like yeah, you're ve- expressing ve- the oils. Yeah, but that,
0: that and that's the delicate balance, right, Jason? Yeah. So yeah. you want to express the oils. In the mint, but sometimes you can go overboard and then, yeah, you get that vegetal. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, the, just this that, is like
1: salad. What the heck? Right, right.
0: Um, that's not in this case. Uh, so here's the deal. I said I, I made a double a because, really, if you think about it, alcohol content, the cognac's the only thing here, really, that's the big hitter. And right. I mean, that's not really a big hitter either. So the port right. is, you know, 10, 12%, whatever port wine is. I'm definitely this getting is... the
1: wine through it, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah for but sure. It, it, I think that, I think without. The simple syrup dash, it could have been it could have been wrong. Yeah. You know, there's there's just enough sweetness and I don't like sweet, super sweet drinks. So Mm -hmm. there's just enough sweetness there. If you if you like wine at all, I think this would be a really good drink for you. We
0: have mixed wine into a couple of cocktails Mm -hmm. now. So this one and I I would say winner. Yeah. This is oh, a winner, yeah, definitely. And I would like, make this
1: again, like,
0: like you said, I agree. I think this is pushing my boundaries for sweetness, but it's not overboard, right. Um, it's right there. So, but without um, it, I
1: think it would have been too, like, too whiny, you know? Yeah, you know, yeah, because the cognac is just not even there. Do you taste it at all? <sighs> I don't no, taste it at all. Not really, I, I'm tasting mint and I'm tasting port. let me go back in for another <laughs> round two. <laughs> yeah, just barely, just barely, just barely. Yeah. Hey,
0: wine and cocktails so far has been okay. This is a good one. Remember, we did the uh, New York Sour, which was basically a whiskey sour with dry red floated on top. That was a good one. What was the one with the
1: Benedictine that we did? That's we did a couple of them with Benedictine. That was pretty. Yeah, that that but that's not a wine. I know that's more so liqueur.
0: Liqueur, yeah. So so far, wine and cocktails, I'm 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 liking it. Kind of liking it. It's a nice change of pace for sure. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Well enough of that. Uh, I think this is a good uh, and I wouldn't even say like a summer drink necessarily. This could no, be this, this could is, be a year round. This, yeah, this, this is pretty is a good, good cocktail to have. But I a gateway cocktail, I think. Perhaps a gateway. <laughs> yeah, like if you're if you're not into in
1: a good way. <laughs> yeah, if you're not into
0: cocktails and like bourbon and you know, all the like the heavy hitters in your right. cocktail. This is probably a good a good one to start out on. Sure. Definitely. All, all right. right. You want to get into the financial designations? I this mean, is the yes. fun part. Oh, yeah. woohoo! <laughs> All right. So financial planning designations is what we're going to jump into first. And Jason, when we're talking about alphabet soup, again, mm-hmm. I think many times clients get a business card. They go, okay, I see like six letters behind this guy's right. name. Right. He must be really smart. So first, I'm just going to kick this off by saying there are about 200 financial designations out there yeah. that are available That you could go attain, you know, whether it's, you know, just a, you go and you sit through a course and you take a test and you get the, you know, you get the letters behind your name. But I think what a lot of folks are concerned about is which ones really matter.
1: Right, right. So, I mean, these are, the list that we have here is pretty, is pretty good. These are going to be your, I guess, not pay a fee, get some letters behind your name, designations. right. They're gonna take some effort. These take some commitment for right, sure, right. right? And probably either previous experience or education. Yeah, um, that's like gonna to have to be mixed in, so it's not uh, again. Go pay your fee, and now you got magically some. some and, and
0: we've look, we've been there, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, there are like insurance companies that will offer these. You know, you want to be a retirement consultant. You want to be a this side yep. or the other. Come take the class, get the right. letters. And you know, every once in a while you get someone who goes, yeah, but what does that mean? What does that do for me? Exactly. To your point, there's some real work and education and experience behind these designations we're mm-hmm. going to talk about today. Yep. So let's jump right in, Jason, and talk about the the first one, the financial planning designations specifically. Okay. And I guess to set this up further, we're going to talk about financial planning designations. Sure. We're going to talk about what I would say are more investment planning designations. Mm-hmm. And then finally, tax planning designations. Sure. So, kicking it off with financial planning designations. I think the big one we all know, and probably the one that's most familiar to listeners, would be the CFP. Right. right? Yep. Hey, you're one of those. I am. <laughs> <laughs> was that a Was that an easy process?
1: That process was very long, rigorous, very right? difficult. Yeah. I mean, this is one. You know, so certified financial planning designation. It just is. It's got a lot of prerequisites, experience prerequisite requires a bachelor's degree. Yep, Like that's, that's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's, there are definitely smart people without bachelor's degree, but <laughs> you know, there's just, the reality is, is that this one, uh, re- requires the, at the absolute minimum bachelor's in anything. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, lots that's of the cool- funny
0: thing. It could be a bachelor's in anything. It could <laughs> be.
1: Yeah. And it's just, uh, I think it's more of a, did you commit yourself to something to yeah. finish?
0: You can't just decide to get your CFP and six months later have it.
1: No. And so the coursework, depending on the area of study that you did in college, it's very planning heavy tax estate Mm -hmm. investment. You know, all of those courses will be covered in there. You know, on average, folks are spending at least a year on that or longer. And this is after having the
0: pre-rec stuff locked up. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So if, and then, if you're graduating high school and you your dream is to be a CFP, you're going to have some, some work involved. You've you got to get, some you gotta get in, your bachelor's
1: degree. And, and, you know, yeah. a lot of colleges have bachelor's degree programs in CFP, but yeah. they're fewer and fewer. And then the exam is just simply very difficult. Mm-hmm. National passing average on that exam we had an intern that was taking it. So I was yeah. familiar with the last round and he passed, but it was like 61%. I mean, it was really, that's pretty low. It is. It's also psychologically confusing. You walk into this testing center, they pat you down like a criminal.
0: You <laughs> that's know? most of the testing centers. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, I mean, they're required to do it and they you know tell you, you're going to go to jail if you cheat. They look in your waistband. Yeah, they do. Inside the <laughs> socks was one they did at mine. That was pretty, that was pretty intense. You know, you just don't know what to expect and you know that you're going in there with the odds being kind of stacked against you. Yeah. It's a lot. And then the experience. They want you to have three years of experience, which is pretty, pretty significant because it's hard to get your foot in the door in any financial field, Mm -hmm. especially when you're just starting off.
0: Right. So we went over some of these requirements, bachelor's degree. We talked about CFP coursework, which a lot of times is built into a bachelor's degree, which was, is great. We talked about the CFP exam, which is a pat down and a drain on your emotions. And then the three years of professional experience. Uh, There's one thing in here we didn't really touch on. And I'd I'd be interested to hear what you think about the capstone and what all that involves. Because that's another requirement, right?
1: Yeah. So the capstone was something that was added just a few years ago. Really, this is like a, I'd call it a financial planning case study. Mm -hmm. It's probably a better way. So just imagine like a person's life situation. has got some complexities involved in it. They want you to take the person's real world spot wherever Mm -hmm. they're at right now and create a financial plan that meets their needs and their priorities. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things to do as a financial. I mean, that's the application. It is. It really is. Because, you know, we could we go into meetings. We just said we had a whole bunch of them, and we said they're they're exhausting. And, you know, we love our clients and and you know, you want them to achieve every area of financial planning the best way possible. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is just like our mental capacity is being taxed. You know, this isn't something they do every day. So we have to be the navigator, Yeah, you know, and sometimes the person that's holding folks accountable to get the most important priorities done first. And that's what that work is. And I'll, I'll tell you, I think without that in the coursework, it was missing a real practical application.
0: You know, I think you and I have a lot of licenses and things like that that yeah. we've all worked for. I guess they we don't still have them, but we have
1: <laughs> taken a lot of tests. We've taken lots of tests for licenses. We've
0: had a lot of licenses, and I think, you know, I've mentioned it on the pa- podcast before. There are sometimes you put the work in, you take the test, then you go back to work, you sit in the chair, and you go, wait a second, I'm supposed to what? Yeah. So yeah. the capstone is really Pushing your comprehension of all the the culmination of everything you've been doing, right? Yeah, now I mean, show me so, you can do
1: it. So yeah, I mean you're mentioning the like the securities licenses and things that that's how we originally got into the business. And since we're yeah. we're a fee only firm, no commissions here, so we don't have those licenses anymore. We're not brokering, we're not doing any of that kind of stuff. And those tests, you know, again, it is like study, take it, pass, mm-hmm. pass a background check, and you can be a practitioner. Yeah, I think that's malpractice. (laughs) I mean, that's like nobody's ready after they pass those exams. They know some stuff.
0: It's almost like a driver's license. Kind of. We know how well 16 year olds drive after <laughs> <Yeah>. their license, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're putting you behind the wheel. Go, go ahead, make yeah. mistakes, cut your teeth. Um, yeah. I won't say it on this podcast, what was told to me by the advisor I worked with when I first got licensed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Hey, it was- bud, you got to go get something kicked in for the next six months, exactly. And that's how you learn, yeah. And it had to do with some manhood, yeah. <laughs> I guess I could say teeth, but that's not what was said to me. No, so, was it wasn't.
1: But that they and that that was kind of the old way, you know, I think that's sad. That it was is the old way. And you know, here you know, we really try to bring in uh, talent that they're smart. You know, they have uh, a general care for humankind. Yeah, and then we can teach them a financial planning concepts much much easier than. You know, hey, you passed your exam. I'm going to throw you over the fence. Have a nice right, life. Right. Hope you don't die. <laughs> so the CFP,
0: I think, is a yeah. big one in our industry for sure. sure, Jason. I mean, honestly, if you see those letters after and everybody that, that doesn't mean everybody's a good guy with a CFP no, necessarily, yeah. but you ought to feel comfortable at some level, right, that they know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. They've been through the ringer. Yep. You should feel pretty confident in working with a CFP. The CHFC is the next one I'm going to transition into because I, it's not on the same level necessarily, yeah. but there are some different requirements. Let's not let's not gloss over the fact that they're put through the ringer too. So sure, and I'll I'll pull out some of the uh, the main differences here. A degree is not required, right? Let's say you've got a financial professional who got into the industry early on, lots of mm-hmm. years of experience, yep. would like the CFP, but you know isn't going back to college and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's like three exams with the right. CHFC. Uh, they don't have a comprehensive exam like the CFP. Right. Um, but ju-
1: I mean, they're splitting into sections. It's yeah. just
0: But it's still very... Pretty intense. rigorous process. Mm-hmm. I, I actually worked with a guy at the bank who got a CHFC, mm-hmm. worked his butt off to get it, and then yep. <laughs> like six months decided you know, I need to do the, C- the CFP thing. <laughs> I'm like, you are a glutton for punishment. Glutton for but punishment. God bless you. Yeah, exactly. So he had both. I mean, um, but wow. Jason, if you see CFP, CHFC on the business card, you know that there's been some work put in. You know that yeah. there's a, a good level of comprehension.
1: And again, on that financial planning perspective, I think you just have to say, this person committed themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they they take education seriously. And they finished. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's kind of why that bachelor's degree piece is important in the CFP process. But but like Caleb actually mentioned, it doesn't mean they're good people. Right. Okay. So you still have to like go in there and trust your spidey senses. Yeah. You know, assess them. If if you don't like them, like you should probably go somewhere else. Well, here's
0: here's the last thing I'll I'll say about the CFP. I mean I guess I'll let you say about the CFP is what percentage of financial advisors slash you know, quote unquote financial planners out there have their CFP.
1: You know, I don't know the percentages anymore. I'll tell you the pandemic kind of screwed all that stuff up pretty yeah. well. It's very, it's low. pretty low. It's very low. I think um, there's maybe three in our town. Yeah. And in Northwest Ohio, where we're from, like there's, there's less than 30. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and there's hundreds of financial planners, right? Like advisors, planners. Yeah,
0: like I learned them. about some new ones that I didn't know about today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All oh right. gosh. <laughs> okay, so I'm
0: building this if if Jason you can see what I'm doing. If you're one of our clients and you've you've heard kind of uh, our philosophy here, you mm-hmm. see where I'm going. There are three pillars that we kind of build on, right? Absolutely. We look at financial planning, we look at investment planning, we mm-hmm. look at tax strategy. Those are the three things we hang our hat on here. Well, so, only the nerds look at tax strategy. Man, well, this is true. <laughs> Let's go into what everybody thinks we do for a living, yeah. which is investment planning because that's what we do. We sit behind Three monitors, four monitors, and mm-hmm. we just trade all day, right? No. Yeah. yeah the investment planning is is the glamorous part of the business. I think what people think we spend most of our time doing. But let's talk about investment planning designations. Jason, sure. the real nerds out there will know what I'm talking about. And you and I have talked about this yeah, one. Yeah. Probably the big dog out there is the CFA, the yep. Chartered Financial Analyst. Yep. Yeah. So these guys are the ultimate nerds, right? Like yeah. these guys and gluttons per, for punishment, by the way. Yes. This is the commit to no life for three years. If you're three married, years. put that on hold. Right. If you got kids, well, put them on hold. Yeah. You might want to put them <laughs> up for adoption. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the, uh, there, there's some requirements, bachelor's degree slash 4,000 hours of work experience. Right. So the equivalent of a bachelor's degree in the workforce. Right. In this field. And then there's three levels of CFA exams, which uh, require about 300 hours of study on which average. Is nuts! So if you like statistics in college, this might be up your alley. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we're talking at least three years to get this one. And when I say these are the true nerds, yep, right? These are, and I say nerd with all due affection. Yeah, I love these folks. Right? These are the people who are, quite honestly. I can't think of any CFAs in defiance.
1: No. Um, there, there might be one in Toledo. There might be one. And I've had former uh, colleagues taking this exam and just exactly how much effort. It's basically a uh, six months on, six months off kind of mm-hmm. rotation. Probably one of the worst parts about this exam is that they don't get instant results. At least they yeah. didn't get used to. Oh, um, man. It's they, like they, the old Let's go back in time. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're waiting months for your results. And I think that's why they do the six month on, six month off, because they have to make sure they pass the levels. Yeah. You know, these folks are going to be the ones that are running mutual funds. Bingo. EFT. Or- you remember when we wanted to start a mutual fund? <laughs> We want to do lots of stuff. Like, hey, a CFA and a CFP. We were just talking about being in a rock band today. So, (laughs) I've got a
0: better chance of doing that. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, they're they're gonna be running money. Yeah, Um, and like when I mean, not what we do by the way. Not what we do (laughs) in the market, in the weeds all the way through all of the yeah. nuances involved.
0: These are the guys that are satisfied working out of the basement with a drop ceiling, fluorescent right. lights, yep. no windows and mm-hmm. no communication with people all day. Right? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, ultra nerd level. It's good. I mean, it's, I love these people too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have fun it, to talk to, like I said, I mean, <laughs> former colleagues that were taking it and they were just some of the most fascinating folks that I've very ever intelligent, yeah. very smart. Um, so, these guys, you know, if you find a financial advisor that's got a CFP and a CFA, oh. you know, they're they're they've worked extraordinarily hard. They yeah. take their practice extraordinarily serious. Now, having conversation with them might be a bit of a challenge, <laughs> but um, they're yeah. they're still good people, and I think you have to know that they're probably got, I would think, a lot of your interest in mind. Yeah.
0: So the CFA, some of you uh, listeners may uh, may have heard that term before, may understand what we're talking about there. One that maybe you don't hear as much. That also is uh, another one of these strenuous investment planning designations is the SEMA, Certified Investment Management Analyst. Yep. Different requirements again, and and these are all. I don't want to say sponsored, but they're available through different channels, right? Right. So. Uh, the SEMA, typically less exams, but commanding more work experience. Yep. So you can kind of see with the CFP and the CHFC, uh, you know, you've got maybe education heavy on one and yep. then work experience heavy on the other. Yep. CFA, again, education heavy maybe on one and then valuing work experience on the other. Yep. But again, if you're running into a SEMA, a CIMA, you mm-hmm. um, you know, you probably don't want to talk about your hot stock tip of the day, right? (laughs) These folks know what's going on. So so.
1: I would, I would, you know, focus on the analyst part of these, um, designations. I Mm -hmm. mean, these guys are in, you know, the company's financials down to the, you know, line items and that's, and that's their jobs and they're really good at it. And, uh, again, every analyst I've ever met, um, you know, has so much to share from a data perspective. And uh, knows investment through and through. Yeah. Um, so you know, maybe not as ha- as strong on the planning side, mm-hmm. but definitely strong on the investment p- investment planning side.
0: Let's talk about everybody's favorite topic, which is tax planning. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we actually built these last two weeks of reviews around centered around our tax planning and That's our right. tax strategy, yeah. right? So we're talking about nerds here. Um, Like you said, only the extreme nerds like this stuff. Uh, (laughs) You love it, too. I
1: do, too. I can't help it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So everyone knows. Everyone knows the CPA, the Certified Public Accountant, right? Yep. Yep. Talk about the ultimate glutton for punishment. (laughs) I've I've had a a couple of CPAs as clients that are fascinating individuals, super smart people. Yep. And, you know, in my opinion, I'm like, look, I'll take you as a client, but you are not allowed to leave because I'm going to have so many questions <laughs> for you. Uh, but this one's pretty rigorous bachelor's degree, 150 hours of CPA education, yep. and then the, the uniform CPA exam, I know. which, you know, it sounds real close to the freaking bar exam. If you ask me, well, it's uh, designed
1: to be that way. It's,
0: we're talking about a high barrier of, yep. of uh, entry here. And then two years of public accounting experience. Um, here's the, the thing I'll say about CPAs. The, this position is so highly regarded that I've met folks who came in to have an investment conversation and when I give my input on an investment, right they'll say, this all sounds good. Let me run it by my CPA right. And you know you've heard this one too. you go, that's great and when I need uh, plumbing done, I'll call my electrician right right? I understand that you trust them because they know a lot of stuff right about taxation mm-hmm. and probably some other stuff. These are also people who are digging deep into companies, financials and things like that. Right? You know, they are considered a financial advisor, right? Um, that, that might not be what they do, but they are a trusted financial advisor from a fiduciary capacity. They're
1: certainly consulting, um, yeah. you know, clients, businesses, you know, they, as a CPA, if they don't know, you know, what makes a good company and what doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. they're just not paying attention. So, I get why clients have that, you know, tendency, and you know these guys are also auditing. Yeah, you know they're they're digging in and
0: and, and another practical thing that these folks are doing is helping helping business owners value their businesses and selling and right. completing those transit. Right? right? I mean they're pretty they're they're way in the weeds. Right? They're way in the weeds. Um, so
1: which is fragile even from a just a how to manage it. Personalities and businesses. Yeah. So that's just hard. So. Well, a lot of folks hear CPA and they think this
0: is the guy that I pay $150 to. He files my 1040. No, that's not. They might be doing that, right? right? But that's not what they do.
1: Yeah, we're finding though less and less CPAs are like, I don't want that business anymore. It yeah. Used to be absolutely. employment's hard. So finding a preparer in their office is really difficult. So, you know, yeah, I'll do filing tax filing for my clients that have the most complex. Situations, yeah. Yeah. But I'm not going to file, you know, one, two W two 1040 every single year for, right. for, you know, the people off the street. Boring.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, uh, have a, I would consider a friend here in town, sure. uh good CPA mm-hmm. knows, knows his stuff for sure that yes, he's looking for those complex cases, right. Uh, at this stage in his career. Well, that's he where his value is. Absolutely. I mean,
1: doing a So, Regular tax return, there's just no value in that. And right. I mean, if Walmart can, we love you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> if Walmart can train a, you know, Jackson Hewitt person to, do oh, taxes. don't get me started
0: on that. I, I had a conversation <laughs> just today about this one. Not sure it's a. Good let's thing. talk about their training. No, yeah. let's not. Let's not.
1: We're done. So actually. <laughs> CPAs,
0: you know, I uh, I have a lot of respect. We have a lot of respect for what they do. Like anything else, there's good and bad ones. There's yeah. some that really, and and I think uh, as a financial advisor. Uh, finding someone who gets what we're trying to accomplish that, yeah. that we can work with, that's that's great. Uh, yeah. and because, I think
1: I think unfortunately in a lot of cases it's an they have adversarial relationships with other financial planners yeah. or advisors, and that's just that's just wrong. We want to be your friends, number one. We mm-hmm. don't want we both want the same Nobody thing. Nobody wants a time.
0: surprise at tax time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's and be he, on the same page. And that's why we spend so much time on tax planning in our firm.
0: Right. So we dedicated two weeks of meeting with everybody. Oh, gosh. So uh, uh, that, <laughs> that brings us to the next designation, which is the EA, yep. the enrolled agent. Hey, I'm one of those. You are. Wow. <laughs> um, I have no interest in preparing taxes, oh, folks. Oh, come on, man. Leave that to the tax preparing for, uh, professionals. But typically, the EA—that's uh, geared towards someone who's been a tax preparer for five years, yep, m- or more. Th- this is the highest credential from the IRS, whatever that means. Okay, <laughs> whatever that means to you, but. Uh, it, it is the highest credential from an IRS standpoint. And, you know, I would put it this way my experience would be it's narrower in scope. Sure. Right. We're yeah. not talking about valuing businesses and all that. It's less accounting focused than the CPA folks right. are. Right. And with something like this, no degree requirement. There is no experience requirement if you can pass the test. Right. And, uh, you know, as I saw last year, that <laughs> waiting three months to see if you passed after the worst one,
1: little agonizing. Little
0: agonizing. But yeah.
1: And I don't, I think in a lot of these, even though the experience is lower, you could have done this without experience. You had to if have you're some a really knowledge. good text test taker and you, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you're a nerd, so that makes
0: <laughs> <sense>. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so the point of this whole episode really is these are kind of the three pillars that we've based our business on. Yep. Um, here are the designations that we feel matter. That mean something. There are, like I said, about 200 designations out there that are available. So you got to be able to cut through the fluff a little bit, but yeah. let's, let's be honest. If you're dealing with a CFP or a CHFC, a CFA or a SEMA, a CPA or an EA, you're dealing with knowledgeable folks. So yep. if you trust those people, uh, if they're giving you the warm and fuzzies, if you think you can go have a beer with them or a mm-hmm. cocktail, yep. if you think you can have an ABC cocktail with those folks and they've got these letters behind their names, <laughs> they're they're probably uh, probably good folks to work for. So. Uh, that was fun. As yeah. fun as alphabet soup can be. Yeah, We're going a little over here, so let's close out that tab. Yeah, Do Thanks it. for having a drink with us this week, folks. It is time to close out the tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance Podcast, be sure to email us at podcast at bluejfg.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with all of the latest action by following us on Facebook. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's Blue Jay fg.com and produced by potisteri studios we've been your hosts caleb Frankert ea jason burnell cfp with the little r in a circle <laughs> oh yeah don't forget yeah, that yeah. cheers cheers <laughs> when would you get in your md <laughs> phd come on man never hey let's talk about the semen uh okay <laughs> Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC. Blue Jay is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to a consumer in a particular state by Blue Jay and the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written consent on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay unless otherwise